let's do something together. And and I guess we took everything that we learnt and put into practice with junk for those years into Rice Boy, and it was sort of that's where it was born. Um, and um, yeah, just sort of grew from there. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Australia's landmass is so big that the country can experience completely different climates representing almost any season at any given time. What's it like cooking in the tropics in a regional centre known for incredible weather and incredible sea life too? Mitch Smith is the executive chef and co-owner of Rice Boy, Spiro, Giddy Geisha, Piggyback and RB Dining. Mitch, how are you? I'm great, thanks. How are you, Huck? I'm good. You've got a, a long list of establishments there. You're a pretty busy man. Yeah, pretty pretty busy. I'd definitely say that. Um, you know, <laughs> always fight out. You know, always looking looking for ways to you know and, and improve and, and make life a bit easier. But I think you know working with some great people definitely helps. So yeah, you're on the Sunshine Coast uh, in Queensland. There, what's it what's it like there at the moment for the dining scene? Yeah, it's definitely on the way up. It's it's really great. There's some great talent. Um, you know, it's a lot of a lot of restaurants popping up here and there at the moment. Um, I guess even the fine dining scene's starting to take a bit of a hold. So, yeah, it's really good. Obviously, the uh, that the fast casual Asian has has really kicked off over the last few years as well. Yeah, and you're, you're part of that sort of movement as, as well. Tell us a little bit about the different establishments that you have because they are quite different. Yeah, so I guess we've got our Asian sort of fast casual, um, or I guess Rice Boy was the original, you know, like the mothership that kicked it all off. Um, so it's about 600 seats now. Um, starting off originally, we we're, were sitting at about you know, 150 or something like that. So it's just grown leaps and bounds. Um, yeah, it's it's a it's a big beast and and um, yeah, a bit of a cult, I guess now on the coast. Um, so following that, we went into Spiro Greek. Um, so I guess we tried to take, um, I guess take that street food sort of look into the Greek food there. Um, at the start, but then it sort of evolved into its own sit down, you know, people want to dine a bit longer and that sort of thing. So um, I, I did a bit of time in Greece as well. So that's um, sort of where that came from and the name Spiro. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so and moving from there, next up, we sort of, well, I opened with Tony as well and Eliza, the um, Giddy Geisha, and at the same time, They've opened Market Bistro next door. Um, that was a bit of fun as well, two venues at once. Don't think we'd uh, do that again, but <laughs> but um, yeah, so Giddy Geisha again, just um, it's more your, you know, Japanese, Korean sort of style, whereas Rice Boy was more, a bit more spread out Pan-Asian, you know what I mean? Um, and then following that was Piggyback, so in Palmwoods. Um, and it's on a bit of land there, so it's a real nice feel, you know, like outside there's trains going past in the background. So it's, it's kind of like a, like a Thai feel, real tropical, you know, there's lizards everywhere, that sort of thing. So yeah, it's, it's a, it's a really cool venue as well. Um, and then most recent was uh, RB Dining. So I guess we, 
took the demand, you know, for bookings and, and things like that because the other venues are uh, walk-in only, if you know what I mean. So you had the people that wanted to book, um, secure a spot, didn't want to wait in lines, that sort of thing. So I guess that's where the idea for RBs came. And, um, yeah, so that's that's the venues at the moment. The, the explosion of venues in on the Sunshine Coast is extraordinary. What's 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 the clientele like there? It's such a destination for many people as travellers, but f- as an operator, what what's your clientele like, and what impact does it have on what you do? Um, I think it's. Um, I guess you take Rice Boy and and the the fast casuals, for example. You can have anyone from you know young kids, young teens, going to be their favourite restaurant through to. Um, you know, well-off, you know, mature-age clientele that, you know, sitting right next to each other listen to Hill, Hilltop Hood. So. <laughs> and then um, getting into the fine dining venues, you know, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of sort of money moved to the coast these days, people from the cities, that sort of thing. So, you know, there's a, a bit more um, demand there as well for your, for your high-end dining, so, which is great. I want to explore what you're doing there and how you manage so many different venues as well. But take us back to when you were young. What sort of role did food play for you growing up? Yeah, I always loved food. I guess um, I was pretty artistic, you know, like used to like to draw and paint, that sort of thing, like when I was young. Um, It was funny though. I mean, my home ec teacher was sort of like, you're probably the worst student I've ever had, you know. (laughs) And then... um, but getting into the kitchen was my brother had a restaurant in Port Douglas, so this is right in the tropics. And um, getting in there, I think I was sixteen at the time, seventeen, so pretty young, um, thrown into the apprenticeship and whatnot. And um, I guess that sort of I fell in love with being able to express yourself and and just constantly learn, you know, and instant reward. So yeah, it was really good. Take us sort of into that sort of first sort of steps into the industry for you. Do you have any stories of what it was like for you? Yeah, plenty. Um, I guess it, it was long hours back then. Pay wasn't great. Um, I think it was about $4.50 an hour at the time. So I guess after after 40 odd hours, you'd get $10 cash overtime. So you'd just be looking forward to smashing as many hours as you can, you know. So 60, 70 hours was a was an average week, but, you know, it's, it was what you did. Um, I remember, you know, at first you'd, you'd look at your chef's word as gospel, that sort of thing. Um, I got put through the, the ringer as a young apprentice, you know, going restaurant to restaurant looking for the souffle pump or that sort of jazz. So <laughs> I think they'd ring ahead and I'm th- after the third restaurant, I'm going, this is pretty fucking, why are they laughing? <laughs> But, yeah, so it was good. You know, it was a good experience. You know, it humbled you down and, and taught you to work hard. And I think just the knowledge that I had sort of pushed into me, it's very seasonal to work up there as well. So you sort of had like two months until it was it was going to happen. And I guess going from green to having all your knife skills and be able to hold a lighter section in a busy, busy venue. So, yeah, it was good. Early on in your career, when you were up in North Queensland, did you have sort of any experiences with produce and tropical produce that you hadn't previously for the first time? Oh, everywhere, yeah. So, yeah, it was pretty amazing, you know. Um, All the different tropical ingredients, um, you know, just the freshness of everything. I mean, we had, um, you know, like 
Coconut Rodney. <laughs> it was one of the legends in town. Um, you know, like you could call anything coconut orientated. He'd bring it in, like candied coconut, fresh coconut cream, like all that sort of thing. So, um, like there was some, you know, cool things like that. Like I had an experience, you know, with fish coming in the back door. So you could just clean fish up straight off the boat, that sort of thing. Um, just, you know, the differences, like a local fisherman, um, you get the fish and it'd curl up and, and going, oh, they mustn't have killed it probably, you know, like things like that back in the day was like, what, what's this? <laughs> but it was, yeah, it's was, it was a really good learning experience. You made the move to Southeast Queensland at a young age. Uh, what, what was that experience like for you and where did you work? Um, so when I moved back down, I guess I took, to, I took over a hotel on Bribey. Um, there was sort of family, family all around there. So that's where I sort of dug my heels in a little bit. Um, and then sort of got, I guess, excelled straight into a head chef position pretty young. Um, and that sort of, you know, it gave me a lot of skills as, you know, dealing with personalities and, and, men, and you know, le- learning to run kitchens. And it's definitely something you can't sort of be taught. You can be, you know, give advice on it, but experience doing it, I think, is the only way to get there. Um and then from there, I guess I got to that point as well. I was just like, I need, you know, something, something new. I was sort of getting a bit stale, if if you know what I mean. And that's when I sort of headed back up to North Queensland. Um, and I guess what I did was going to town. And before I'd worked anywhere, I just went to sort of frontline and and just worked all around cans and the casinos and, you know, banquet halls, different restaurants, that sort of thing. What was it like then after sort of the experiences of being a head chef at a young age, sort of just sort of bouncing around different venues? Was was it challenging for you? Yeah, it was It was, um, It was. was different, but at the, same, at the same time, it was great to just, you know, just get all this new experience and, you know, see, you know, so much more different ways all these different kitchens are working. As, as you built your career, who were the really sort of important people and venues um, that have helped you on your path? Well, I think definitely Salsa Bar and Grill, Port Douglas. Um, that's sort of where I dug my heels in next there. Um, just a lot of the caliber of chefs there, you know, had, um, well, Bill and, Bill and Reese, uh, the owners, you know, they were, they were amazing. But then I had Goran Zono, so he was a German head chef. Um, he'd Michelin star background, that sort of thing. But um, a lot of the, the crew, you know, I had guys from Taxi Kitchen, like, um, like all, all around the ki- all around the country, great restaurants at the time. I had staff from there to work with. And, um, you know, it was just really cool to to work with everyone and, and grow there. So I sort of started at the bottom and just worked my, my way through every section, you know, until I, I felt like I'd mastered everything. So it was pretty, pretty amazing. <laughs> Yeah. You um, spent quite a bit of time in Mooloola Bar. Tell us about the move there and sort of, you know, how that all came about. Um, well, I guess I'd probably, my partner at the time fell pregnant. Um, so that sort of spiked the move to come back down to Sunshine Coast. Um, and I'd had an offer at a restaurant, um, Lounge Brown Dining. So I took over, that was like a modern Australian and that was probably my first like head chef job where I actually, you know, 
I'd had all this experience. I was ready to unleash and, you know, do all these things. I think it was around the time everyone was doing, you know, the the foams and spherification and all that sort of jazz was <laughs> was going on, you know. So um, I, I got all that out of my system, <laughs> which was good. But um, and then I'd seen well, there was Dan Jarrett from Tamarind. He just received two hats, um, and Tony Kelly. Had, he just had his two huts at uh, Stoke House in Brisbane. And then so they were opening together OS3 restaurant here on the coast and then that's where I was like, man, I need to, you know, be really keen to work with these couple of roosters and, and you know, get amongst that. So that's where my relationship there sort of started with Tony and everything. Well, tell us about Tony, Tony and Dan. Do you have any stories of what they like to work with? Yeah, awesome. I mean, Tony's like, you know, there's not a bad word you could say. One of the one of the greatest mentors you can have. You know, like just always knows what to say. You know, just always support, and I guess gives you a stage to to perform on, if you know what I mean. Um, and Dan, yeah, just good mate, still like bloody legend. You know, just banter and and all that. But I mean, the skill and knowledge between those guys was, you know, pretty pretty awesome. Uh, you're a big part of the success of, of Junk, which had multiple uh, sites. Tell us a bit about that that offering and sort of what you did with it. Well, that was sort of, I guess, well, we'd had uh, OS3, the fine diner, and then, you know, looking at next door, I think Tony, Tony had a burger place at the same time with, you know, a line down the street, and we're like, what are we doing here? Let's have, <laughs> let's have a crack. And, like, Dan knows Asian. Um, he's He's like, Thai, you know, Thai extraordinaire, and, and I'd just come back from up north, so I had this big arsenal of ingredients, you know, from learning, you know, Japanese and and Thai influence, all that as well. And we're like, let's go, to, let's go hard on this. And um, I think that's when sort of junk was born. Um, and I think the first lunch were open, it, it was crazy. We just got annihilated, and I remember <laughs> we're just looking at each other, going. What the fuck just happened? You know, I think uh, Tony was in America at the time, and we just rang him like, oh, "We need to shut tomorrow." And he's like, "What do you, what do you fucking mean? Well, um, we just got no food left. <laughs> we, <laughs> we we just didn't weren't ready for this." So, but um, yeah, we gathered ourselves and moved forward. But um, was were there were there any dishes that sort of exemplified what you were doing there and that sort of cult following that you achieved? Well, I guess it was the, the biggest thing was we, we'd started this Pan-Asian thing. So, I mean, there was always Thai, Japanese, Korean, you know, that sort of thing. But we, we had a mix. There was no – and I guess you look at it, it was our sort of take on traditional, but we weren't bound by anything, if you know what I mean. Um, but in the same time, not crossing borders you can't cross, not confusing things. But um, – I think that ability, you can get a bow, you get a ramen, you could get, um, you know, like a, a Thai stuff or something. Like everything was, you know, like you could come back and want, want to come back for more. Um, and then I guess from there, um, that's when Dan went back up the mountain, so back up to Tamarind. And I sort of had an opportunity to, to step up and take over. And I know that. They wanted to open a few venues around the, cu- the country and I sort of went for that and um, that's where it all sort of kicked off um, and that's where I guess my experience started growing then with opening new venues, um, you know, travelling interstate, 
with opening new venues in, I think we went to Melbourne, uh, Toowoomba, Brisbane and Sunny Coast was the most proud going at one time. So, yeah, it was a bit of a bit of a big role there. So, what, what did you learn from that time about sort of running multiple venues like that? Oh, it's, a, it's a big learning learning curve. Um, sort of comes quick, but um, just relying on people, supporting people, um, definitely having the right guys helps. Um, staffing, you know, and I guess just. Learning about, you know, when you've got fires to, you're constantly just cycling through and, and sort of fixing the same little issues. I think a lot of kitchens have the same the same issues, um, just reoccurring constantly, but you're just trying to, you know, improve on every day, so. How did sort of Rice Boy come about and sort of the iteration of, of the group and um, some of restaurants that you have at the moment, how did that all come about? Um, so, well, we'd left... Uh, well, Tony had sort of left first and then me and Eliza sort of followed um, and we just caught up. I think we were just we were having a coffee on um, at one of the local coffee shops there and, and we're like, let's let's do something. And I think an opportunity came up that Tony had. That's one of his um, great things, you know, his, his connections and everyone's faith in, in his ability and what he can bring. So, and like he has in us, you know, and, and he's gone, let's, let's do something together and and I guess we took everything that we'd learnt and put into practice with junk for those years into Rice Boy, and it was sort of that's where it was born. Um, and um, yeah, just sort of grew from there. At the same time, we'd done uh, he'd opened a fish and chip sort of bistro on one side, and we had Rice Boy on the other. And I guess that was it was kicking off, but Rice Boy just went. Yeah, it went crazy. It was something we weren't expecting to be so so full on. And then it was just sort of keeping up with that demand. Then so we sort of grew upstairs, opened like the dive bar upstairs, expanded there. Um, and then we still had a line, so that didn't fix anything. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and then just, just building backbone to it and, and strength. And then it sort of got to the point again where it was like we've got, you know, a line we're trying to fit, people we're trying to – you know, keep up with prep. I mean, we're trying to prep on the little stainless freezer tops, like like the chef starting at 12 at night to prep all night. Like it, was, it was crazy trying to keep up. Um, and we, we just weren't ready, but I think we just grew as the pressure got there, then we expanded. We sort of played safe at the same time and just trying to find ways to keep it consistent in quality and, and whatnot. Um, and then I guess the big one was we ended up turning the – taking – swallowing up the uh, fish and chip side and expanding the beer garden. And I guess that's when when it went, like, next level. I guess it just gave, it fixed the, the service, you know. Um, we could keep up, be more consistent, you know, handle the volume, uh, created a cool spot on the water as well with the beer garden. Um, and the obvious thing, storage, prep, that sort of thing. So now, now I think it's what seven days a week we have, minimum of five guys in from five a.m. Just you know, just <laughs> just just going hard all day, uh, pretty much processing everything that comes in. Um, there's there's a lot that comes in. It's it's completely processed, marinated, cooked, or overnight cooks, braises done that that day. So it's all processed. And then starts again the next day, so everything's fresh turnover. You mentioned that um, 
Spiro is inspired by some of your tr travels to Greece. Is, is travel a big part of sort of your culinary armory? And is there any sort of trips that you can take us on where you sort of discover new things? Oh, 100%. Um, I mean, like, well, Greece was great, like, just from, you know, your the captain's restaurant, you know, you got <laughs> just really cool food, like, you know, your, your basic traditional seafood done simple um octopus lots of things I, went, I think i went to you know it was like a hundred year old euro ship uh shop with a couple of friends i met there a big thing was like i remember after the club one night and and they're like you want chips with the euro so i'm like yeah sweet as and then i'm like where's my chips they're, they're on it I'm like, I'm like what do you mean they're on it i'm like wow oh, this is the best thing ever so you know, that's, things like that, that, that's definitely went on the menu straight away and, and you could talk about that when you're doing it. Um, same as, you know, um, you know, Malaysia, I'd been there. Um, we'd done trips to Japan, Tokyo, around there. So, got to go through all the fish markets, uh, which was really cool. Um, went with one, one uh, master chef we met at his house went through the markets and then went back to his restaurant in Ginza for omakase with everything we'd picked out that morning. So that was pretty, pretty incredible. Yeah. So we're lucky to do that. Tell us a little bit about your food and your approach to cookery, 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 you know, mindful of the fact that you're doing so many different venues as well. well I guess, yeah, it's, you know, trying to, well, you get used to it after a while, but just resetting your, your, your mindset in each venue. I guess you, you've got your sort of style and brand in each each uh, office, if you want to call it that. But, um, yeah, I think you're coming at it with what what the people want as well. I think doing what uh, we want and being, you know, the, the product first, anything that there is is there for a reason, if you know what I mean. So, um, and then... I guess what what sells it, and we're always trialing thing, you know, trialing things, trying new new dishes, and, and never being complacent. But I guess the biggest thing is what sells and, and what people want, and you know, trying to offer new things to their taste palette and and sort of grow from there. You've mentioned that numerous venues that you've opened end up with queues out the door and being quite overwhelmed and incredibly busy and surprised by that. But there must be a formula that you have to create this success straight off the bat. What, what is it about these venues that are sort of successful straight away? I think um, just putting the, the – well, a biggest one is consistency. I think you can have something that tastes amazing and, and, and it's it's value – it's good value if you know what I mean I don't think cheap's the word like good value um, tasty you want to have it again but consistent so you know you're coming back it's going to be the same every time um, you tell your friends they come it's going to be the same so that's definitely a big one there at the top of the show you mentioned that RB Dining is the most recent um, in your armory tell us how that came about and sort of what you're doing there I guess so um I mean, there's there's no more or less effort than in in the fast casual that goes into the food. I think it's more just um, the the service itself. You know what I mean? So rather than coming out fast and hard, it's it's just refined dining. Um, you can come in, have a nice atmosphere. You know, um, get looked after, and and um, you know we can play a bit more with the menu as well. 
certain things we couldn't we had such a high speed if you know what I mean to keep up um, which yeah opens a lot of doors um, yeah and we're sort of still new so just growing and, and getting better every day so it's been really good so far and, and got still got a lot to give there. You've got a handful of restaurants there on the Sunshine Coast but tell us about sort of the places that you love and what's so great about the Sunshine Coast and the restaurant industry at the moment. I think as a big one definitely is is the produce available um you know and the suppliers and 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 everything it's it's pretty amazing i mean i've been doing a little bit of um sort of like filming and stuff recently just sort of get and getting to know some of the local guys local suppliers i mean i went out on the on the spanner crab boat um out deep sea i, was, I won't lie shitting myself i was Watch, I shouldn't have watched Deadliest Catch before, but, um, <laughs> but, but, but we got through it, you know, and um, it, was, it was just a really good experience. And then when you're using it and, and cooking with it, I think it's such a big difference. Um, and, you know, there's just delving deep into what we have around. There's so many, you know, like there's guys growing ginger, like local. There's so many young families just starting up, you know, like mountaintop mushrooms, things like that, like um, Belvedere Farms. Like there's so many great – you know, just local local uh, produce straight at like so close and at everyone's fingertips. And I think that's draws a lot of, you know, talent with what they can, you know, have in variety so close to all the venues. You mentioned the extraordinary fish markets in uh, in Tokyo, but there's some incredible seafood just uh, just out on the waters where you are. You mentioned the spanner crabs, but is there sort of one or two sort of species that you like to use? And could you tell us a dish that you cook them in? Well, definitely, um, definitely the tuna, Walker's tuna up the road. Um, that's amazing stuff. Um, you know, there's a lot of local fish line caught we use as well. Um, I've got a local fisherman david wibro so he he'll go out on a um on a tuesday or wednesday or whatnot and pretty much ring around on a friday and say all right bro i've got um you know i've mackerel running today or i've got snapper or you know whatever's whatever's on i've got a couple of you know stripies as well and i'm like yeah let's go so it, it's really good and a lot of you know local reef fish as well which is always nice and just you know getting it in fresh as well it's great for the team and and just the the flavour itself, it's amazing. You're building an incredible little restaurant empire there in the Sunshine Coast. Um, what's the plans for you for the next sort of year or two? I think just, um, you know, not being complacent and just building, you know, support networks and, and um, I guess, improving everywhere we can, you know, whether it's, you know, staff, looking after staff, um, you know, training, that sort of thing. There's little things like we'd like to be able to do some kind of like apprenticeship sort of programs. I guess there's so much diversity through the group. It'd be great to, you know, build some young chefs up in, you know, six months here. You know, then they can go with Harry and Bocker and, you know, learn from the best, making pasta and pizza. You know, like there's so many, so many different aspects they can learn. You know, you got your modern Asian, um, Greek, bistro style. Like, yeah, so pretty much do the works well uh it's amazing what you've been building there um up in queensland what, what do you love about what you do um just the oh for me it's everything the environment the feel the the rush you get good services you know the camaraderie um i guess seeing seeing people grow 
and succeed as well is is amazing you know just starting from you know I've, I've got absolute weapons now starting from casual that are running venues you know what i mean and it's so good to see yeah really rewarding and and i think the the feedback from the people you know so i mean it's almost dangerous to wear a rice boy shirt in public sometimes you, you get, <laughs> yeah no it's it's really amazing so well, uh, Mitch, it's an absolute honour to catch up with you today to hear a part of your story. Um, please keep in touch and we'll catch up again soon. Likewise. Thanks so much. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we take a deep dive into the lives of the incredible people who ply their trade in the food and hospitality sector. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well. <laughs>